0: It's week three of 2016, and while time may be marching forward, it seems we've barely scratched the surface in our list of the top questions parents ask about raising teenagers here on License to Parent. For the past several weeks, we've been answering some of these top questions that parents throw our way in the hopes that we can help you succeed in areas where you and your teens may be having trouble. Our host and the guy with the big red target painted on his chest is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, and I'm Rich Rossell. This is Licensed to Parent. Well, if you are a new listener here on the uh, Licensed to Parent program, Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, which is a year-long Christ-centered residential therapeutic program for teens in crisis. And a large part of what we do involves not just the teens, but their families, too. And, Trace, I know each month uh, parents come here to Shepherd's Hill for a weekend visit with their teens... And during that visit, you host a workshop where you answer questions of all sorts from parents dealing with their biggest concerns regarding their kids and what they consider to be the biggest challenges. And, of course, as you go around speaking, you answer a lot of these questions, too. That's right. Uh, By the way, uh, if you have just found us, I do encourage you to go back and listen to the first two programs on this topic. We've devoted the entire month of January just to answering these questions, and you'll find those programs in all of our other past programs in the archive section at LicensedToParent.org. So um, let's dive in, shall we? Let's do it. And I have totally lost track of the count. I have no idea which numbered question this is, but that shouldn't be important. You talk about America needing a complete paradigm shift in parenting today in order to effectively raise healthy kids. And I know that a lot of the parents who come to these parent weekends recognize that there's a difference in the way they've been doing it and the way... You teach doing it here at Shepherd's Hill. But explain for our listeners what is the difference? What is this
1: shift that needs to take place? What does that look like? Well, uh, Rich, I think for golly, since the uh, 1960s anyway, maybe 1950s, pop psychology has been kind of the go to paradigm for how to raise kids. I mean, if you don't have a PhD behind your name, it's just assumed that. Um, You don't really have all the knowledge and and understanding that you need uh, to be an adequate parent. You know, my question uh, to our listeners would be, why don't we just take by faith what parents have done since the beginning of time and really adhere to basically a biblical worldview, that parents are the ones in charge? I think we've given our kids way too many uh, excuses for bad behavior. We've relied upon, again, the quote-unquote professionals as opposed to people who are actually rolling up their sleeves and doing parenting. Kids are running the show today. There's no respect offered by kids and required by parents there's a there's this horrible sense of entitlement in the news mm-hmm. you know uh, a month or two ago you heard about this entitlement uh, or um, affluenza
0: yeah and and, we, and we've talked about that on the program as well that whole concept of uh, of having too much
1: right and, and this kid gets off on running these people down in in, in a dui situation and his parent is an accomplice in getting him out of the country so that he doesn't have to face the charges. This is the type of thing that I see uh, uh, parents, you know, making a terrible mistake in not allowing Junior to face the consequences of his actions. Now things are complicated to the point where he's going to be suffering more consequences yeah. as a result. And, of course, there's this whole idea of what is a family? You know, now we've got uh, you know two moms, two dads. Uh, and then with gender fluidity, maybe dad wants to be a mom every other day. I, I don't mean to sound cavalier, but it's very confusing to these these poor kids growing up. And now there's states saying that you know if you want to uh, use uh, the girls' locker room or bathroom as a fifteen or sixteen year old boy, and you think you're a girl, you get to use it. You, c- you can play on the sports teams, things like that. Uh, I just there's a law just passed in um, in New York, I understand, where you can get up to a one hundred thousand dollar fine if a transgender person isn't addressed. In the pronoun that they choose, this seems to me almost Orwellian. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's insanity, and uh, I, a lot of this has been spawned by the mental health field, and so uh, I, I think we've bought into a lot of a lot of uh, issues that uh, we weren't supposed to buy into, and uh, this has got the whole parent-child relationship pretty much topsy-turvy, and. Uh, that's what I mean by a paradigm shift. We got to go back to the basics. Who is in charge? Who's supposed to be in charge? It should be the parents, and the kids should follow the parents' lead. Of course, that's assuming that the parents are leading and that they know what leadership actually looks like. Where's the point of reference for that? Should it be our government, or is there a, a higher source of uh, a point of reference, a transcendent yeah. source? And we would say, of course, here in license, a parent that there is, and that transcendent source is is the God of the Bible. I've
0: also this brings us into the second question on our on our list for day. I've heard you say that giving kids trophies, and I'm talking the little mini monuments that <laughs> a lot of parents end up giving or a lot of teams end up giving that that's mm-hmm. not a good thing unless they've actually accomplished something, sure. unless they've won something. And by accomplished, I mean something other than
1: just showing up. Right. Talk right. about that. Yeah. Well, you know, attaching reward to achievement has always been a good thing. Even Paul writes about that in scripture, about running a race and getting the prize and whatnot. It's really only common sense. But again, that goes back to, do we really have a common point of reference to have common sense anymore in our postmodern relativistic world? And we keep going back to that, which is why, again, the tagline of our program is insight for today's culture, because we live in a postmodern culture, which says that truth is relative and that your truth is as good as my truth. And there are no absolute uh, common standards by which to understand common sense. Yeah. And uh, so it's hard to have common sense without a common standard. I tend to
0: think uh, in terms of medical school. If I have got to undergo surgery and I'm trying to find the right surgeon, I don't just want the guy who showed up for class. Exactly. I want the guy who excelled and preferably yeah. finished top in his class right. or her class operating on me. Yeah. And I think if we look at it from that perspective, that might help us recognize that there is purpose in having winners and losers. Yeah. There's purpose in, in rewarding achievement. And not just saying, okay, everybody passes,
1: or as Oprah Winfrey would say, you get a car, and you get a car, everybody gets a car. It's not just that a person who finishes last place in a race gets the same trophy as the person who worked hard and maybe naturally better to get first place. We make ourselves better. We give ourselves an environment where the person who is in last realizes You know what? If I work harder, if I train harder, if I eat better, if I exercise more diligently, maybe I can get to that particular position. But there's also uh, the reality that our kids need to understand that maybe I will never be an Olympic champion or or the next American idol or whatever, and we have got to train our kids to deal with those losses. It was my understanding that the organization of Little League Baseball— was set up to teach kids how to be good sports, not just to play baseball and yeah. to, to give them a reason to go out there and have parents kicked off the premises for, you know, arguing with the humps, you know, it wasn't all about winning. Of course, winning is is important. We understand that, but I don't think it's as important as the lessons we learn in the process of winning or the lessons we learn in the process of losing. Character is built with every loss or it should be, and the people who are coaching these things need to be teaching their kids that their love is so unconditional for them that if they strike out every time they get up to bat, that doesn't negate my love for you now that it, yeah. it, it might mean that you know we're going to spend some extra time behind the barn working on a curveball you know how to hit a curveball yeah uh, if, if junior really wants to play it, but it's a character building life uh, uh, enhancing experience that is just part of living, and when you give trophies. To, to every kid uh, just for showing up, as you said, then you take that away from me yeah. and, you, and you take away the incentive of the kid who really does have either a gift or really worked harder to get that trophy. Yeah, You take his incentive away. You're, you're really back to communism and you're back to a situation where no one's going to get any better and no one needs to get any better. And that's kind of where our nation is, is going now. You know, in our town, there's two restaurants that are on the verge of closing up and both owners were asked, why are you closing up? They can't find any good help. They can't find any good help because it's not because people aren't applying for jobs there. They are. But they're taking those applications to the unemployment office as proof that they're looking for a job only to keep receiving that unemployment benefit. That un- yeah. unemployment benefit because they don't really – why should I bust my tail to go wait on tables or cook meals yeah. when I can get a freebie from the government? It, it doesn't make any sense. That's the kind of kids that we're creating when we don't – acknowledge that there is a reward to achievement, attaching a reward to achievement.
0: And let's not forget the scripture that says, if a man will not work, neither let him eat. Exactly. That, That is saying that there is a price for laziness right. and there's a price or a, a benefit to success mm-hmm. and hard work
1: which is another issue that we that our parents deal with today they they don't want kids to experience the natural consequences of their derelict actions and that affluenza kid is yeah. just you know probably the premier example of what i'm talking about there
0: just a, a quick side story I, I want to move on to the next question but uh, back when our oldest child was in uh, in high school uh, I don't even remember what was going on, but there was uh, there was a bad decision that he made about time management or something and didn't get his work done. I really don't remember what all it was. And my wife and I talked about what we should do about this, and we said, you know, he's going to get to school. He's not going to have the assignment ready to hand in, and he's going to get in trouble from that. Let's just let the consequences you yeah. know, kind of guide this and see what happens. It's a great example. It would have been. Had there been consequences, (laughs) he went to school and the
1: teacher was like, oh, that's okay. You can turn it in next time. But see, that's part of the paradigm shift that needs to take place because this idea of not uh, stepping on junior's toes or or, or damaging his little self esteem has not just crept into our families, but it's it's crept into our learning institutions yeah. as well, as is evidenced by the, some of the hocus pocus you see going on in the college campuses today. Right.
0: Well, let's move on. We've got still many questions to cover. The next one is one that we hear all too often. Uh, and this, this, by the way, is a question that also plays into the homeschooling versus public school mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it deals with sheltering. A lot of people think that if you're homeschooling your kids, you're just trying to shelter them from the real world. So right. the question is, how do I know when I'm sheltering my child too much? Yeah. And, and, and let's keep it out of the homeschool, public school debate. But just in general, how do we know when we're sheltering or or blockading our kids from the from the rest of the world versus giving them some insulation. From
1: yeah. It. Well, of course, that's going to vary with each circumstance. But I think generally speaking, if the culture, if the bad influences of our society uh, are influencing your kids' decision and worldview, we got to introduce them to the things of our culture. But we not enough to the point where they acquire appetites for the things that are that are out there yeah. that, are, that are violators of of what Scripture has clearly said you know, when it comes to moral principles and things like that. But it's going to be incumbent upon every parent to understand when that is, where that is. And that's incumbent upon, Do how well do I know God? How well do I know the scripture? It's a tremendous problem we have in America today is that not a lot of people do know what scripture actually says yeah. about raising kids or where my freedom starts and right. legalism begins. And, you know, it's it's not a real clear, definitive line but I think that we we can't get away from the the notion that there it's possible that I can't shelter them too much from certain things at a certain age. Mm. Uh, I think we need to get away from thinking that uh, that is the unpardonable sin, and I wouldn't let anyone uh, guilt me into thinking that I can shelter my kids too much from certain things. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I I think you've touched on on the very important piece of the puzzle here when you said you know, we, we've we got to be studying Scripture. We've got to learn what God's Word says. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that by the same token, as parents, we need to be studying what's going on in the world. Right. Now, that doesn't mean investing ourselves in trying to learn how to do it. Right. But, you know, reading uh, news articles, reading, you know... Not so much watching television necessarily, because so much of the news is sensationalized there. Mm-hmm. But I would even even suggest reading not only conservative news uh, reports, but liberal news reports as well. Trying to get a broad idea, because then you get a better insight yeah. on today's culture, as we'd like to say. But everything you read, no matter what side it's coming from, needs to be held up against. Yeah that the measure of scripture, and then you
1: find out where things fall. And I think it's probably wise to, rather than throwing your kids out to the lions, uh, sit down with them and watch uh, Fox and and CNN and MSNBC or or some of the networks uh, occasionally so that they can see what's out there and, and see the natural consequences of what goes on out there without getting too much of an appetite for that stuff.
0: Yeah, there's a big difference between throwing them to the lions and taking them to the zoo.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Oh, very good. I like
0: that. Trace, we need to take a quick pause here. You're listening to License to Parent, where uh, this is week three of our um, attempt to tackle the top tough questions that parents ask. And uh, we'll be back to do more of that in just a moment. You can find us online at licensedtoparent.org. Back in a moment.
2: Remember back in the late 80s and early 90s as the internet hit the scene? You know, the information superhighway? We had great hopes that this new knowledge economy would make our teens more aware, diversify their tastes, and improve their verbal skills. But the enlightenment didn't happen. Technology has had the opposite effect. What once promised great hope for the future is now used to indulge in diversions. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, subtitled, How the Digital Age Stupefies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future, or Don't Trust Anyone Under 30, presents a portrait of the young American mind at this critical juncture, revealing the true cost of the digital age and our last chance to fix it. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherd's Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. This is Ken Ham, President and CEO of Answers in Genesis and Genesis in the Creation Museum, and I just want to say how much I appreciate License to Parent Broadcast. I am so thrilled to know that there are those out there who are standing on the authority of God's Word in this age of compromise, but teaching parents how to build their thinking on the Word of God and to pass on that spiritual legacy to the next generation. So often we see that spiritual legacy being lost, and we need more people listening to broadcasts like License to Parent so that they will know how to pass on that spiritual legacy to the next generation. With the generous gifts from people just like you, we're able to provide parents with practical insights to navigate the challenges families face in today's culture, as well as helping troubled teens in our year-long residential program. To learn more and to donate, visit licensetoparent.org.
0: Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy with our host, Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherds Hill. I'm Rich Rosel, and today Trace and I are going through some top questions that parents have been asking, specifically at some of the parent weekends here at Shepherds Hill, but also uh, as Trace has had opportunity to speak um, in various venues around the country, Uh, a lot of times parents come up and toss some whoppers at him. And uh, speaking of whoppers, that's a line used to describe lying at yeah. times, and our next question sort of has to do with that. Um, this uh, this question is stated in a... Let me kind of explain it. In the real world, according to this question asker, lying can save your life. Uh, in fact, deception is uh, how a lot of wars are won. So... Um, why do you, Trace, consider lying so high on the unpardonable sin list when kids lie to their parents? And by the way, I do as well. We've said to our kids, mm. you may do some horrendous things, but fess up. Be truthful about it. Yeah. And uh, if we find that you're lying to us about it, the penalty will be much more severe. Right
1: Here we have a relationship between parent and child, uh, which other than husband and wife, there probably is no more intimate relationship. And when lying isn't looked at as, for lack of a better term, we'll just call called the unpardonable sin, certainly all sins are pardonable, but then what you do is you start breaking down communication and you start uh, giving opportunity for kids to start manipulating you and getting yeah. their own way and creating their own reality and their own subjective perspectives on truth and whatnot. And so we cannot have a healthy relationship with our kids when they lie to us, when we lie to them, or if they think they can lie to us with little to no consequence. Right. If they know lying will get them a huge consequence, bigger than yeah. anything else they can do, then they're more likely to tell the truth. And then when they do tell the truth, reward that truth-telling by mitigating the consequence that they would Get otherwise, mm-hmm. and if they lie in the process, then make sure that that is a huge consequence yeah if we if we want healthy parent child relationships with our kids, then we have got to communicate with them. But to say that you know uh, well you got you got to lie in war deception is part of the, the whole deal you kill in war too, but that doesn 't <laughs> mean we want to teach our kids to go around killing people and remember the Ten Commandments were given to us as individuals th- th- there's there's a different standard when it comes to Corporate, okay? God judges individual. He also judges corporately. He actually commands us to kill. And in some cases in the Old Testament, he commanded men, women, and children to be killed. Now, now this is something that people can't deal with well today. Yeah. The reason for war is is so that you as a people group don't get encroached upon by an evil people group. Yeah. It's a It's like a vicious cycle, okay? But there is a difference between protecting individuals through a corporate act of war. Versus individual, okay? More of a relational thing. And so without developing it and taking the rest of the program to try to do so, we need to understand that there is a difference between trying to protect individuals with a corporate act of war than individuals just trying to save their own reputation, face, or personal consequences, and particularly in the parent-child relationship. And, of course, we have to model that as parents uh, so that when when our kids uh, see us on the phone or hear us on the phone— talking to somebody else, and we say a little white lie, well, then we've given an open door for our kids to do that to us. And we should be big enough to where, and have, be rightly related to our kids well enough to where our kids can approach us with respect to say, Mom and Dad, isn't that something that you would tell me not to do? Yeah. And we should be able yeah. to humbly repent, apologize, and then make it right. Mm-hmm. And that is huge in the eyes of our kids yeah. when they see us do that.
0: Um, I've been tossing in little side stories from my own experience in here, and one just came to mind with this. Uh, Back during the holidays, we had kind of a family powwow, which we do periodically, especially if something has come up and we recognize there's some conflict or some misunderstanding there. And during the course of the conversation and conversations that followed, there were several things that my kids brought up. And they spoke truthfully about their feelings on it. And, you know, one of them was about something I had done or said, uh, something I had planned for the family or whatever. And it came out at this point, one of my sons said, well, I didn't tell you that because I thought you'd be mad. He, didn't, he did not lie to me. Mm-hmm. I, my, I, I trust my son and whatnot, but he had tried to spare my feelings sure. by not telling me something. And when he told me this thing during this conversation— it stung, not because he hadn't told me, but the fact that when he told me, I mean, it stung me because I recognized that there was something I had overlooked that I had not done and should have. But uh, I was so grateful to the fact that this young man um, had the courage to tell me something that he knew I didn't want to hear. Right. But he told me, and it was like, oh, my God. You know, I I was so blind in that, and I and I recognized that I had been at fault. There was something I had never realized because he hadn't told me. But again, mm-hmm. that... Uh, that allowed me the opportunity to say, you know, and this is why you need to tell me stuff like this. Sure. Is because I wouldn't have made this mistake had I known you felt this way about that or that this had caused that problem. No. So, yeah, the the honesty, the being straightforward, and the having the respect for each other and the trust Trust. within each other to know that you
1: can speak truth in love. Right. And uh, it'll be received well. Yeah, I've told my kids, look, you, you see an ounce of hypocrisy in me. You see me doing something that you know is not biblical or something that is, is, you know, pricks your heart or, or, or mind. Uh, by all means, you always have the freedom to come to me as long as it's done you know, with respect. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I, I'd be glad to repent <laughs> if, if I'm in the wrong. Yeah. There's no doubt yeah. no doubt about that. And I've got to tell you, when, when parents make mistakes, and we will make mistakes, there, I don't think there's any better healing balm for our relationship with our kids than to, uh, for them to catch us in some of these things and for us to actually go back and have to apologize and, and repent before them. And you talk about opening up the doors of communication. Yeah. That really does open up the doors of communication with our kids. Well, Trace,
0: our, our time is rapidly uh, disappearing here. Let's cover one more question and then... Obviously, we'll be back next week to try to wrap this up. We've got pages and pages of questions. We're not going to get through them all. But um, regarding our children and the the friends they choose, mm-hmm. do we as parents have a right, maybe even a responsibility, to help yeah. choose those friends? Or at, at what point are we overstepping our bounds?
1: Yeah, and this is age-appropriate, too. Uh, you're going to give them more freedom as they get older, but you still have the right always until the time they leave your home to determine who you're going to allow your child, to pal around with, particularly going to their place. Now, you've got, a, you got a, a child that is a suspicious a friend of your your child, and you want to give them a chance, then have them to your place. But I think that we, we certainly have the right to help our children choose their friends, even the teenagers. Do we want to exercise that right all the time? That's where wisdom comes in the equation. I think we have the right to do it any they live in our home. But the wise parent knows when to forgo that right, And Scripture does talk about, you know, bad company corrupts good character. And, of course, we do want to impart good character to our kids, and we don't want that corrupted with uh, people they're hanging around with because our children's bad decisions will end up costing us when when they are what the government calls dependents. And because they're dependents, when you make a bad decision— your parent is ultimately responsible for any kind of property damage or other things that might be incurred. So by that reason alone, I think we need to share with our kids, listen, I have some skin in this game. When you go out there and make bad decisions with friends that you have, therefore, I should have some skin in the game as to who I'm going to allow you to pal around with. Bottom line. And and really, I don't know what else needs to be said about that.
0: Well, and it's true, too, that um, not all of the... Uh, ways in which we help guide our children in finding friends have to be on an individual-by-individual individual basis. You know, if we, if we, to follow the Old Testament model, are, you know, talking at the dinner table, speaking at the front gate, you know, you know all these things about the principles that are godly principles of how to live, then if we are teaching our kids— here's Here's how to choose the best friend yeah, that's for the you. easiest yeah. way
1: get it, get it get it up uh get, go it, up front. get her up front and talk yeah.
0: about you know how do you choose a good friend what's what's the right kind of friend as opposed to the wrong kind of friend mm-hmm. then as it, the inevitably with friendships comes strife at times mm-hmm. and so Billy and his best friend Bobby will get into an argument about something, and you can even use that as a teachable moment, to say but you know you and Billy. Support each other and encourage each other, and our friends. You're both followers of Christ, and here's how you can resolve this. But it's also a reminder of why Billy picked Bobby to be a friend in the first place. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think you can instruct without having to micromanage. Absolutely, and with again, just just camp out in the proverbs. There's another proverb that says, "There's a friend that sticks closer than a brother," mm-hmm. and you know, challenge your children with, "Is this someone that you would be happy to have as a brother?" Yeah, you know, go that way. But I can't stress enough. Bad company does corrupt good character. That's very true. Well,
0: Trace, our time is up on today's program. We're going to do this at least one more time to round out the month of January. Again, this entire month we've been tackling the top questions that we get asked by parents uh, about how to raise teens. and. Uh, Barely scratched the surface, this is a mountain-sized problem, and I think we've only dug as deep as a molehill so far. (laughs) This is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential treatment program helping teens in crisis and working with their families as well. And our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take everything we're learning each day inside the gates of Shepherds Hill, outside the gates, to share the time-tested parenting principles that are based on God's Word. And as we've said before, the only way we can continue to do that is through the help of our ministry partners. That's people just like you. Your prayers, your letters of encouragement, and your financial gifts are what enable us to keep helping families in need through our work at Shepherd's Hill and through these broadcasts. If you're able, would you consider joining us in this outreach? You can contact us through our website, licensedtoparent.org. And if you're able to make a one-time or an ongoing financial gift, we'd be very grateful you can do so securely by clicking the Donate tab at the top of the page. And once again, that's at LicensedToParent.org. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rossell. Please join us again next time when once again you can renew your license to Parent.
1: And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.